Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, bold move expert and coming out coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet dwellers and bold move makers. It is me, Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted, and it is time for another one of our shows. And sometimes you just got to go down an unconventional path and you got to not bow down to the peer pressure of things. And when you go down those paths, what do you do? Well, you start a little London theater company that's off, off, off Broadway, and you make ways to do things the way you want to, or maybe you go and get lost in the, in the city of Marrakesh, or maybe you just might find yourself becoming fully exposed in a Japanese onsen. And the reason I bring all these up is today's guest, Polis Loizu, is a guy that, I don't know, it just seems like he's like able to do these bold moves and do these things that take him to these spaces where most people are like, I couldn't do this. And the reason I'm bringing him on is he's got a brand new book coming out called Disbanded Kingdom. And he had such an interesting life story when I was approached by him. I thought he is a perfect fit to have on the show Life Uncloseted because he's been living his life uncloseted in unconventional ways for a good portion of his life. So I'm really excited to bring to you Polis, who is coming to us from the UK, right, Polis? Yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm going to say it is evening for him. It's afternoon for us as we're recording this. So we're going to make this as painless as possible for him so he can go <laughs> have the rest of his evening to himself. But um, So let's kind of start out. One of the things that intrigued me most about when I started reading about you and got information on you was you kind of have always lived kind of this unconventional, let's just push away the conventions, let's not follow the peer pressure sort of life. So is that something that just kind of was natural inborn to you or was there something that triggered all that for you? Yeah, no, I can't, I can't remember a trigger for it, but I know that my mom was always kind of amazed that my sister and I just always from the get-go didn't, really listen to what our peers were doing and we were always very much doing our own thing and liked what we liked regardless of whether it was trendy or not. Mm. Um, I don't think we got it from either of our parents. I don't know where it comes from. That's (laughs) interesting. uh, Yeah, we've always lived that way. And so what are some of the benefits you've seen? Because I kind of, in that way too, where I've always kind of, I wouldn't say I've pushed the envelope, but I don't I don't necessarily follow yeah. true convention. And so what have been some of the benefits for you as you've gone that direction? Well, to be honest, when when I was a kid, I mean, when you're at school and everybody else is kind of following a paradigm, um, it wasn't that great an experience for me. It did kind of shut me out of, um, of, a, of what my peers were doing. And um, I was definitely bullied. Um, mm. Uh, didn't have it so great then, but I look back now and I think I'm proud of myself for not having caved in to anything um, and just liking what I like and believe what I believe in um, without following the pack. 
I think that sort of sets you up to be able to handle things on your own um, and to be able to find your own footing um, and go down your own path, um, which I think is really beneficial. I think a lot of people kind of feel lost without other people's guidance. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I've always felt like I could just trust myself to know yeah. what I could do for me. Well, but I think that's what, what many, many people find is they become habitually dependent on other people so much that they don't know how to trust themselves. And then yeah. they wonder why they suffer with, you know, low self-esteem or not being able to make decisions or when big changes come in life, they don't know what to do. And so what you're basically describing is I've become very self-sufficient. Yes, younger life, I agree, it wasn't easy for me either. I was kind of, I wouldn't say bullied in a big way, but I was definitely taunted at a lot. I was kind of the heavy set kid. At the time, I wasn't, you know, I didn't know I was gay. Well, I think I kind of knew I was gay, but I didn't, you know, it wasn't something I was like really in touch with then. But there was always this edge and then I would like try to fit in and I would fit in at certain points, but then the fit in was like a struggle to even fit in there. So the more I started just being me, it wasn't easy, but it actually made my life for me to be with myself a whole lot more easy once I accepted that. Oh, exactly. I think, I mean, can you imagine the sort of people who would look to others just to, to know how to dress even or how to, um, because they're too afraid of mm-hmm. um, not looking right. Yeah. Um, when that, that's kind of, that's such a limiting way to be because you are sort of stopping yourself from expressing your own personality and finding yourself. It's true. And I wonder, I wonder if there's something to be said for the trust piece. And that's why I kind of paused because you had brought it up about trusting yourself. But if you don't put yourself out there where you're always saying, oh, well, what do you think? Or, oh, well, do you think I should do this? There's never an opportunity for your, you to trust yourself to answer those questions when it's always external to you then you become very dependent on everybody else for yeah, making your life yeah. happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, for, you know, I'm not advocating living in a vacuum where you no, just no. think you're amazing and you have right. no... <laughs> um, I, I, I also like to think I'm self-aware enough to, um, you know, if people have useful criticism or um, advice, mm-hmm. uh, you can't, I mean, you can't navigate the whole of your life on your own you do need help and you do need other people's the sort of outside eye sometimes mm-hmm. it does really help if people are outside looking at um so yeah you, you can sort of stand back a bit from yourself through other people as well well um, i think when you give yeah. yourself that ability to stand back the thing that it enables you to do is to keep from becoming that self-absorbed, I know everything sort of person. The people who exactly. are doing that, then they're the ones who go to the complete opposite extreme of I know everything and no nothing, nobody can teach me anything. And you know, then we have yeah. those issues, which are totally different, totally different set of issues to contend with. So, so as you as you started to like move through life, and there's you know, there's an interesting story about the whole Marrakesh thing. I think that would be interesting to hear a little bit about that story and getting lost in Marrakesh because I think these are the stories that 
truly open us up to learning more and more and more about ourselves. So uh, why don't you take us a little bit into that story? Yeah, this was um, when I was 18. And it was just before I was going to go to university. Um, and my dad uh, is an officer on cruise ships. And he invited me to um, meet him in Tenerife and then go around the Canary Islands and also there was a stop in Marrakesh. Mm. Um, I thought, oh, amazing, that sounds great. Um, so I went, I flew, um, It was, I think it was the first time I flew on my own as well. Um, and I joined him on the ship, but because he had, you know, he was a safety officer and everything, like he didn't have the time to go out um, wherever they docked. So I was on my own um, in all these other countries. Um, And he did say to me, don't drink the water in Morocco. But uh, (laughs) once once I was there and, you know, eating and, you know, (laughs) having a good time, um, I'd I'd forgotten these lessons, but um, I started feeling really ill. Um, and then I think because of some food I'd had, uh, but then I did accept some water from somebody that was definitely not, um, originally from whatever bottle he was giving it to me in. Um, and then he wanted money from me as well for the water, but I was feeling so ill. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then because of all this going on, I, managed to become separate from the tour guide in the small um, group that I was with. Um, and yeah, they'd just gone off without me. Uh, and I had no idea where I was. This was before even smartphones. Like I didn't, I, there was no way for me. I did not have a map mm-hmm. or anything. Um, I didn't know how I was going to get back to whatever the place was that he said to me to get the coach back to the ship. Right. Um, so I found, I just, I just went up to this girl in a museum and because I knew some French, I managed to say to her, can you please help me get to the coach? <laughs> um, I don't know how she knew, but she kind of understood. Um, and then she just led me through this marketplace while men were saying really, you know, quite, lascivious things to her and um, she was just ignoring them to help me out which was really decent wow. yeah. but yeah then uh, I eventually found my way back to the tour guide and I was like so oh, hi mm-hmm. <laughs> you, left, uh, you left me behind by the way Wow. and uh, yeah I managed, to, I managed to get home okay so that was alright that's amazing though because I'm sure there's some life lessons in there that you have discovered for yourself. I know when I went through a, a potential drowning accident when I was 14. Wow. There's there's always, you know, a lesson in there and and even today there are times that I will feel like oh my god, I'm drowning and I go back to in fact it's one of the key key stories in a lot of the talks that I give is that drowning incident and how it helps me realize today when I'm feeling like I'm drowning, what was it that I did? And um, so I'm curious as you now think back over that whole experience in Marrakesh, is there some life lessons you picked up from that that help you really move forward in life now? Um, 
well, I'm forever grateful to my French teacher at school because like, without, without that language, I don't know how I would have been able to. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it was, um, yeah, I suppose there must have been an element of common sense working in there somehow, just to yeah. think, okay, go to a place where it was, where they were likely to encounter tourists. Or, um, uh, and yeah, I think it's sort of drawing on on what is available to you and what the resources are around you and what you could, uh, and also I was seeking help. I was putting my faith in somebody. Right. Um, I guess, I mean, you know, she seemed like a trustworthy, like <laughs> innocent seeming person. Sure. Um, I didn't go looking for a gang somewhere or anything to help me out. Um, but yeah, I suppose, I suppose it was just that, that trust, really. It was, it was a bit of a... a you know, it's interesting that you said trust again, because that's kind of what I'm picking up here is the theme of this conversation. So much of it is just trust, about trusting yeah. yourself and then trusting that, okay, I can find out what I need to find out to move myself forward, all these sort of things. And then we come forward to what you currently do. We're going to get to the book, but you also currently run a theater in the off-off-Broadway scene in London. And that yeah. was something that you started kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to give it a shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I studied film um, and I met this really wonderful person on that course who uh, called Jacques Hugo, who wanted me to write and um, direct him in a one-man show. So we decided because there was a fringe festival um, near where he lived in the Peak District in the north of England. Mm -hmm. um, the, yeah, we'd go for it. Why not? See what happens. And <laughs> we didn't know. I mean, my God, we were, we were going into this space. Uh, they were showing me lighting desks, and I thought I'd never encountered anything like it. Um, and I was just pretending, yeah, yeah, that's fine. This is great. Um, and uh, just uh, try to remember what the technician briefly showed me. Mm -hmm. um, but it worked, and we had we actually had a sellout uh, first show, which was completely unheard of in that festival. <laughs> um, so it did it did go well, and um, we carried on making pieces, and that actually led to something another. Uh, a gutsy move I didn't know I had in me was to to do a one man show myself because hmm. uh, I'd uh, I'd never performed on stage on my own before, and then I wrote this uh, thing that I'll be performing again at uh, the Buxton Fringe next month. Nice. Um, it's called A Curse of Saints, and um, yeah, it's a one man show, and it really only hit me the very first performance that I was doing this on my own completely mm -hmm. uh, with nobody around me uh, apart from the audience looking expectantly at me. Hmm. That's got to be not only fulfilling, but scary and exciting. All those things have to be running through your mind as you take that stage, I would assume. Oh yeah. And it all happened then on that very first performance, the very minute I was out on stage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Didn't happen before then. It all just hit me then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can relate to that because every time I go on stage to, to give a speech, even though it's 
a speech that I know and I've given it, you know, before, there's always that moment of, wow, these people, whether it's 25 or 3,500 people, they're here to see me do this. And there's the excitement, there's the fear, there's the, you know, overwhelming feeling of I've been put here for a purpose. All that stuff happens in kind of a nanosecond. And then it's like, okay, you got to get going now. (laughs) You got to do what you're meant to be doing yeah. here you know you don't have time to screw around so uh, do you still feel uh, oh god yes oh yes i'm getting ready to do a couple of speeches coming up in the next couple of months that yeah they're a little bit new for me but the core content's the same and i'm already feeling it i'm feeling like okay well here we go and i think part of it is these are people that are my peers so sometimes when it's a strange audience it's much easier than okay now these two talks are happening in front of a lot of people who know me, you know, they, they've yeah. seen me before. So that's a little bit different, you know, feeling to go through. So, um, so was there an, was there a performing like bug inside you as a child or was this like, Oh no, I just want to do a film stuff and was performing just, Oh, this came out of left field. Uh, no, it has always been in me. Yeah. I've, um, because I, I got I got a puppet theater as a Christmas gift when I was a child, um, and I'd sort of any anybody who walked through our doors would get a show um, on this thing that I you know written directed and uh, was uh, performing uh, at the age of six. Uh, I'm guessing they weren't very good, but um, people encouraged me enough, I suppose, to uh, indulge me enough to. Mm-hmm keep going at it so yeah i did always have that in me wow that's i don't know where it comes from but well i think sometimes it comes from this is just innately who we are and then one day it awakens and then we're like okay well this is just another aspect of who i am and what i'm supposed to be doing um, yeah you know i if somebody had told me 10 years or it's been i always say 10 years but now i have to start thinking about the calendar a little bit it's it will have been 20 years ago next year when I came out of the closet and if somebody had told me 20 years ago I would have a podcast and I would have written a book about coming out and be doing interviews about people coming out I would have said "Ah, you're crazy that's not and then now here I am and it's such a natural part of who I am it's that I love doing the most is these interviews and doing my shows and getting up on stage talking about this stuff but I think it's because we evolve into who we're meant to be and um, I think yeah. so many people think, oh, okay, I figure this out. Yes, that's part of it. But what if you just evolve? You just let it kind of come to you. I think it's so much easier when we allow things to come to us than force and push and force and push. And that's not to say that there isn't work involved with this. But sometimes it's just the easiest stuff that when we allow it to happen, then we're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is exactly, this feels right. This is why I'm doing this at this point. So, um, so now we get to the well, and now we get to that space where you've been doing the theater for quite a while now, right? Yeah, yeah, it has been a few years. Yeah, and so as that came along, was that the reason you're like, okay, so I've done theater, I've got lost in Marrakesh, I've always pushed the envelopes as a kid, and then suddenly now the book, is that, you know, <laughs> something something else. <laughs> let's do something else. No, it's actually funny. It kind of leads on from what you were just saying about something about letting yourself evolve. And, and because um, I like to tell stories generally, it doesn't matter what the uh, discipline is and what medium. Um, so, and that's something I only recently 
realized about myself so it, it weirdly felt like coming out of the closet it was um i've always written always as far as i remember um but i never called myself a writer mm-hmm. until um this novel was complete and then i was looking for agents um and then i thought okay maybe i should start calling myself a writer and start regarding myself as a writer. I don't know what the block was before. Well, um, I'm just curious because this is so interesting, Polis, because I went through the same exact thing. When I was writing my yeah. book, I'm like, okay, well, people call me a writer and an author. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's because that's what we are called when we do this. But yeah. I, 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 there was no Ernest Hemingway or <laughs> Shakespeare within me. Like, okay, I just decided to do this. Now, what's interesting is I keep saying I'm going to write my next book and I'm not doing it because it's not, it's not coming naturally like the first one yeah. I know it will happen, but it, it does kind of go back to what I was saying about not forcing things and letting things just kind of happen. And so I totally feel what you're feeling. It's like, okay, well, I guess this is just another thing I did. I wrote a book. I don't feel like a writer, so to speak. I do like to write, but I don't know. Yeah. I think, where we conjure up our own images of, okay, well, how, how do I see someone who's a writer, you know? And maybe that's but part you, of it. But you also don't, you don't need to be boxed into anything mm-hmm. either. So you, you do your podcast and you give your talks and that's mm-hmm. all part of you and what you are and what you do. Well, you know, it's um, interesting. So you I'm glad you, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because what's interesting for me is... As long as I don't say I, and yes, I say I'm a speaker because that's kind of how people can identify, but I'm actually more of a storyteller who just happens to deliver a message. So there's a story, but within that story is a lesson about courage or there's a lesson about being consistent or committed, you know, and I realize, you know, people have told me you're such a great storyteller. And when I started just owning, I'm a great storyteller, which really aligns with how I see myself. Versus, yeah. oh, you're a keynote speaker. It's like, oh, no, I, I don't see myself that way. Because keynote speakers, they've got slides and they're, you know, they're going to teach yeah, 10 yeah. lessons and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, and I get so freaked out by that. And so it's really hard for me to position myself as a keynote speaker. So when I'm doing it, I'm like in my head saying, no, you're just a storyteller. You're just a storyteller. They're calling yeah. it. You're just a storyteller. That's what it is. Exactly. That's what you are. You're a storyteller. It doesn't matter what, what way you're telling a story mm-hmm. and how you're telling the story. That's what you're doing. Right. And that's why I love this medium that we're you know conversing in right now, because it's like, okay, so Paulus, tell me your story. Tell me more about what happened with Marrakesh or where, why the book or why the Fringe you know, Festival became this theater company, because within the stories are the lessons to be shared. And I think a lot of people get that, but I don't know that everybody gets that at the level that you can learn so much more from a story sometimes than, okay, here's a textbook. And it always makes me wonder in our educational systems, if certain things, if everything was taught as a story rather than here's how you learn math, here's how you do this. I just wonder how much easier people would learn stuff. That is such a great idea, actually. (laughs) I really... I am all for that, like total educational reform, just yeah. Yeah, teach through stories. I mean, maybe the reason we like storytelling is because it is such a primal human thing. 
we have been doing it as a species for so long. Um, and it is because it is shared wisdom and it is um, learning lessons, um, learning how to be part of society and how to contribute to it. Um, so, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of value in that. So yeah. now as you bring it forward to truly writing this novel, um, what yeah. was what was the burning you know desire behind that, or did it just kind of naturally start too? Um, it came. Uh, what what tends to happen with me is I tend to sort of get bombarded by ideas, um, and then those ideas kind of sit in the back and ferment a bit, and then I read about something or experience something mm-hmm. that I then bring into that idea and then the sort of alchemy happened yeah. and it just suddenly comes to life from that and I think oh this is the purpose of that idea that's the point of this story mm-hmm. um, and yeah then I, put, I basically build, build it as layers I suppose mm-hmm. um, until I have a, a rounded story with rounded characters mm-hmm. so I'm always curious when I'm talking to fellow quote, writers, authors, whatever the label yeah. we put ourselves on. Because I, I find I learned, I learned so much about myself. Well, I learned so much about myself anytime I'm writing anything, but I learned yeah. so much about myself writing that book. And I'm wondering if there's something you learned about yourself as you began to write the book and finish it and get through it. Is there something that really stuck out in your mind? Yeah, um, I did actually, because the, uh, it's not, I mean, it's not an autobiographical novel, um, but it's very much because it's about this, um, boy called Oscar who's in his early twenties and he feels really purposeless in life and directionless, Mm -hmm. um, until he meets his uh, foster mother's uh, probably boyfriend um, and then develops feelings for the man. And that infatuation awakens something in him um, and sets him on a path towards some kind of direction. Um, And when I started really uh, delving into this book and writing it in earnest, um, I was at the very lowest point of my life. Um, and I did feel completely worthless. I'd just graduated with a good degree and then no job. And um, I felt like there was no reason for me to be around mm-hmm. and that nobody would ever love me. And yeah, it was it was very bleak. But I brought... Um, I tried to channel some of that into this story because I thought, well, if I feel this way, other people will too. Um, And it was only after having written that novel that I really realized just how low I was and how how I I hadn't told anybody and and I'd just been keeping it to myself. Um, and also that it's something since the book has come out and people have been reading it and responding um, positively to it, um, I realize it is an experience that wasn't just me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the kind of raw emotion that I was drawing on mm-hmm. to put into it did speak to other people. It did um, travel. So, and, and that... 
that warned me really it made me think oh wow we're uh, we're all the same it's uh it's not it's not such a cold lonely world really mm-hmm. no i agree and it's interesting that you bring that up because one of the quotes that i use most often when i'm talking to people or every once in a while i'll throw it up on facebook or somewhere is the untold story is the lesson someone needs to hear. And I don't know that we realize that our story is going to touch somebody. We may sit there and go, oh, this is just, you know, it's about me or it's about some character. And then as we get pulled into it, it really will touch somebody. And I can't tell you how many people have said to me since my book came out, I so identified with this. And yes, mine is kind of autobiographical, but what I find interesting is I've had some people who are not LGBTQ read the book and they've said, I realized how big of a closet I'm in. And so then that was actually kind of what started spawning all this. Okay. Well, wait, maybe I have a bigger brand than I thought I do now because somebody has said something like that. And what I find beautiful about these moments when we're in the midst of writing our fiction book or our autobiographical, you know, teaching book or whatever it is, And the reason I always ask a fellow author, what did you learn is because there's always something we learn about ourselves to be able to see what you saw in yourself coming through that. And that to realize you weren't the, you aren't the only one that in and of itself is a huge lesson right there. Well, well, it's a very, because it's such a a, a solitary art form, isn't it? I mean, to, to sit down and actually write something, it does make you introspective. You do have to go into yourself. I'm sure you found that, especially if, um, if you were writing about things that were actually happening to you. And, right. Um, well, you actually write did. speeches. Even as I pull together speeches, yeah. there's that. It is very, I love that you just brought that up. It's, it's such a solitary art form because it's kind of like a solitary sport. You know, you can either play team sports or you can go play tennis. You know, yeah. and then the moment you're playing tennis, unless you're playing in doubles, but even, even, even if you're playing a doubles team, there's still a solitary component to it. Now I realize even on a football or, you know, baseball or cricket or whatever team they're on, there's a team component. So yes, you've got that. And there's a little bit of individual component because we all perform our individual roles, but you step into these solitary places. It is about drawing upon ourselves and what are my thoughts? And then of course that's where it can get really dangerous too. It's like, Oh, well I'm probably the only one who thinks this. You know, nobody's going to believe that this thought is really worthy of anything. And so then we, a lot of people will stop and they won't let their creative stuff come forward. And then it's held within them and then it's bottled up and then all sorts of other stuff can happen. But then all it takes is one person to say, wow, I really related to that. And to me, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. And especially you where you're doing this stuff on stage too. It's got to be like an immediate, like, okay, this, wow, I was scared to come out on stage and do this one-man show, but then, hey, there was applause and there was laughter and there was other stuff that began to happen. So those are all emotions of people relating and connecting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's actually, I, I see creativity as a sort of really beautiful organic exorcism, really. Yeah. It's um, whatever you've been feeling that you need to let out. Um, and that's why I would encourage uh, the arts to form a part of people's lives. Um, they should be 
in schools. They are in schools for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is to help people um, get in touch with themselves and learn themselves yep. um, and therefore express themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does let you let go of things like fear and inhibition um, because you become more comfortable when you know who you are Absolutely. and what you can say and what you can express. Yeah. And I, I believe that the more we learn to freely let go and express, it's what gives us the confidence to keep being exactly who we are. The minute we put a bottle cap on that or we plug it up, then that's when the issues begin to happen because we feel like, well, it's not safe. Now, I realize that there's certain times it isn't safe to express yourself. But the more we do it, even when it doesn't feel safe, then that's when we start to have the impact on society where we're going to express ourselves. And if that doesn't fit for you, that's okay then yeah. we'll figure that out because that's not my problem to figure out for you. But um, I believe it's really important that we continue to be expressive, to be who we are, to step forward and do all the many things just as you've done from, you know, your theater work to your storytelling to your writing and all that stuff, because it's the freedom to truly be who we're meant to be and to unlock ourselves and make the bold moves that we make. So it's yeah. awesome. So the book is out and hopefully it's doing very well. I know <laughs> It's always an interesting thing. Well, I know it's selling. I don't know how, you know, it's like we can get up in our heads as authors really quickly about that stuff. And I, one of the best advices I ever got was, Rick, it's a book. <laughs> I thought, yeah. okay, well, that pretty much sums it up. It's a book, okay? So, um, but yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> so any, any other books on the, on the horizon or new shows or anything that you want to share about before we call it a, a wrap here? Oh, well, um, I'm working on another novel at the moment. Um, mm. That's going really well. It's, uh, yeah, set in my motherland of Cyprus. Mm. Um, and uh, in the meantime, I've just got this uh, one-man show. I'm uh, going to be performing next month at the Buxton Fringe Festival, and that's my uh, creepy little one, mm. one-man chiller. Nice. Um, also set in Cyprus, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really felt my roots. I just yeah. decided to, uh, yeah, to go back home mentally. So one of the things you brought up at the very beginning that I think would be full, really good to just circle back now to was, you know, your ability as a, even as a young man to just not fall into the, let's do what everybody else does. Let's, you know, play by the quote unquote rules. So if you could leave the audience with, you know, one more bit of information, how would you, invite someone to just kind of step into that power of live life on their terms and and go forward. What is something that's really helped you in that arena? I think the way I approached it was if I'm alive in my body and it's my life, then why should I do things just to please other people and not do things that I enjoy and that I want to be doing? Because I'm, you know, I'm very much a conscientious part of society and I'm not, I'm, I'm kind to people. I try to be uh, kind and good to everybody. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm the one who has to live with me. Um, and if I'm doing something that goes against me, um, then what is the purpose of it? I think that's so that's what I've drawn strength from really. 
That's amazing. That's a really good place to come from because I think too often we do try to impede on somebody else's life and being in their body and tell them how they should do things. And there's nothing wrong with giving people advice and saying, Hey, this is what I see. But at the end of the day, we're the only ones who know what works for us. We're the only ones who have the thoughts we have. We're the only ones who feel what our body feels. We're the only ones who have to wake up and go to bed with ourselves each and every day. Even if we have a partner or a husband or a wife or a spouse or whatever it may be, we wake up and go to sleep with ourselves each and every day with all those lovely little thoughts that we have. So I love what you said about it's if you are alive in your body and it's your life, then why do we work so hard to please other people? It just, yeah. it's kind of crazy, kind of crazy. So, well, Polis, I am so glad we got connected, man. I have enjoyed this conversation immensely. Hey. I'm so glad for everything you shared. Best of luck with everything. And um, for just truly, truly, you know, communicating what it means to like live your life boldly, live life uncloseted and live life on your terms. You did an amazing delivery of that today. And uh, just thanks for sharing yourself with my audience. Thank you, and thank you very much. It's been great chatting with you. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments, if you like, and if you believe in this podcast, and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.